Welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard. I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self-improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world-class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviours, routines and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlightened to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlightened is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten Tooth Whitening or even look out for one of their regional centres of excellence. Let's get on with the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Once More Change podcast. On today's show, we have Daniel Hyman. Dan is a male fashion and fitness model, founder of the fitness platform Eat Look Feel, and has probably the most impressive physique I've ever seen. Um, In the fashion world, Dan has modeled for Versace, Machino, Calvin Klein, to name just a few. And in the fitness world, he's graced the covers of Men's Health and and modeled for massive brands like Adidas. And after being in in the modeling game for around six years, Dan went back to studying. He gained professional qualifications in personal training, in nutrition, Um, really put his head in the books to make sure that when he came out with his incredible coaching platform, which is called Eat, Look, Feel, uh, he actually had the backing and the knowledge to really provide a a unique offering to his clients. Um, He supports his clients through nutrition, exercise and mindset needs. And it's been an incredible success so far. And actually, the way I found out about Dan was through one of our previous guests, uh, Mr. Will Googe, who... um, who I know is is very uh, conscious about who he works with and and the uh, the evidence behind what he does in his training regime. So that is what brought me into Dan and, and really saw the incredible work that he's doing. So we're going to take a, a really deep dive today into these three pillars, nutrition, exercise, and mindset, all really important um, concepts on the podcast in most of our uh, episodes. But today we're going to go really deep into it and hopefully pull out some some key takeaways for you guys, our lovely listeners. So, Dan, how are you doing? Thank you so much. I appreciate the um, the intro. No worries. It's great to have you on. Um, so, I want to start the talk. Me, yeah. I want to start the talk by um, delving into your. Uh, I always like to start from the beginning. Start from your origin of your professional career. So, how did you you started with modelling? How did you get into modelling? How were you scouted? What was the whole story there? So, so actually, it's quite a funny one. I was. Um, so I basically was at uni before I started modelling. Um, I was down in Bournemouth, uh, moved to London. Uh, I studied marketing at university uh, and then I moved to London for a marketing consultancy. I was working there for about a year. Uh, it was actually when I was walking home from work one day uh, outside Oxford Circus. I got stopped by um, one of the scouts who I'm actually still with now at Nibs. Um And she basically stopped me, said to me, oh, have you ever thought about modelling? I completely just laughed I just I'd never even considered it like it's not even a thing um and basically completely ignored it um got the sort of little the what is it like a little sort of business card if you like they give you um left 
didn't didn't follow up on it. About six months later, I got stopped again, uh, same place outside Oxford Circus. Um, and then spoke to a few people, uh, decided that potentially, you know, I was on sort of entry level money at the time, um, living in London with my mates. So it was very much living on the breadline. Uh, I thought, right, I could earn, earn a bit of extra cash here at weekends or whatever. So give it a go. And then actually went back to Nev's and from there got signed that day. Um, and that's kind of tried doing both for six months. Impossible. Trying to have a full-time job and model. Just, it just, it just doesn't work. So um, then basically, yeah, about six months in, actually down to the support of sort of my friends and, and my parents um, said, you've got to give this a go. Uh, and it kind of started from there, really. I did, I did a men's fashion week in Milan and uh, it went quite well. And then from there, I've been, yeah, well, modeling, modeling ever since. Yeah, I mean, I, me- I mentioned just a few massive brands there, but you've, you seem to have modeled for, for most of the big brands, right? Have, uh, uh, was yeah, it- I've, I've, I've been very lucky. Have you, um, uh, has, has, was, it, was, it, was it an instant success, I guess, is where I'm trying to go to, or is it something that's sort of grown with time as your face has become more, um, or more known within the profession? Um, a bit of both, to be honest. Like I, I had a really, really good start. Um, I, I went to Milan and did and did Fashion Week and walked. I think it was ten shows uh, for some incredible brands. That I was, and to be honest, it was I was out of my depth back then. Like just leaving, just looking back on it, I just like I was out there going to these castings for you know like Calvin Klein for um, Dolce for Versace for Moschino for D Squared. And just, I, I, I didn't really know what they were. I didn't, I didn't really know too much about fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of realise the importance of it, but it's only sort of as you then spend a bit of time in the industry that you realise, wow, actually, you know what, these are, these are the top players in the game. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to sort of have worked with the, the sort of big brands that I have. I guess in some ways it probably helped uh, not knowing how big they were with regards to nerves and that sort of thing going in. Did you, did you struggle with anxiety going into these, um, these sort of quite high pressure environments or have you just always been quite a confident chat with these sort of things? And, and that's, that's, that's exactly it. It's almost like if I was to, I almost feel like if I was to go to cast now for Calvin Klein, it would be a different, it would be a different story, but I was just so sort of naive to it and, and fresh out of the box, if you like, that it was, it was just, Oh yeah, like I've heard of Calvin Klein. Yeah, I wear their undies. Like, let's go meet them. And <laughs> I didn't really know what castings looked like. I'd never really done castings before. I was just like in Milan, kind of like getting sent round to ten castings a day, and just so far out of my depth. Like I said, just turning up, sort of being myself. Yeah. And maybe I don't know. Maybe that worked in my favour. Maybe I, I didn't overthink it. I didn't sort of um, put pressure on myself. I just kind of turned up and thought, well, let's just let's sort of see what happens. Absolutely. And and was um. Was fitness already a, a big part of your of your life at that stage? Were you already in in that sort of uh, model condition? I guess uh, not at all, to be honest. No, I've I've always been slim, um, so I've always been sort of like a, a skinnier rather than bigger guy. Um, but it wasn't. I, I'd always sort of sort of dabbled with the gym as you do when you're sort of like at university and stuff. But I didn't. I didn't sort of take fitness seriously. I would, I, I didn't have any sort of routine. I didn't know anything about nutrition. I didn't know anything about training. Um, I kind of, to be honest, it, it really, it really evolved when I became a model, and I quickly sort of understood that to be the best model that I can possibly be, I needed to start looking after myself a bit more. 
mm. um, in just in terms of creating, you know, like a physique that, that clients want to work with, looking after my skin, looking after my hair, that sort of thing. And that was where sort of, if you like, my, my sort of passion in, in fitness and, and nutrition started. Brilliant. And I mean, let's let's go from that into um, into eat, look, feel. What what led to you creating it? Wanting to tell the guys what the concept is behind it, and then we can delve in a bit deeper into the uh, the little bit. Yeah, for sure. So so it, that is kind of where where it started. It was it was it was a sort of combination of I quickly realised as a model that to be the best model that I could and to sort of open myself up to you know doing underwear shoots and doing catwalk and doing all sort of all of the different pillars to sort of be the best that you can. I needed to start taking care of myself a bit more. And the thing with the thing with the modeling is that you, you don't really get too much sort of time and notice for jobs. So it's all very last minute. So you kind of have to stay ready. So for me, it was a lot about building a lifestyle that I could sort of sit at. It's, it's all very well being able to sort of do a six week transformation, but you know, you don't get six weeks, you don't get told six weeks prior that you've got an underwear job. Like you, you know, you, you get confirmed on a Tuesday and you're turning up on a Wednesday to do that job. And, and, and so it was actually about for me, right, how am I going to create a lifestyle where I can get to where I want to be and more importantly, stay where I want to be and live there healthily. And then that led on to sort of, I mean, I'm sure we'll dive a little bit deeper, but that led on to me doing my personal training qualification. uh, And then I did a nutrition diploma. Um, and always to be honest then kind of like the ideas from eat look feels decided started to born and there with eat look feel essentially now it's it's an online platform where we essentially try and align everybody's nutrition training and mindset all towards better towards where they want to go and with the idea that we take control of that for them so then therefore they can go and thrive in all of sort of the other areas of their lives that are important yeah absolutely i just want to pick up on one point that you said there which is um is, is, I mean, I imagine that there is, but you can give better insight. Is there um, quite a lot of sort of pathological fitness efforts within the modeling industry or within your clients that you see in general with regards to how they get into the shape? Because there's lots of ways to get into good shape, right? I mean, you can take steroids, for example. You can um, completely dehydrate your body. You, there's lots of different hacks, I guess, which... I have no interest in whatsoever, and I and I think that's where you're coming from. But is that is that something that you were exposed to? Um, did you ever do stuff that that obviously legally, but stuff that um, that maybe you wouldn't do now back in the early days, like anything from that from that sort of angle? I've, I mean, I've never dabbled with anything sort of too within the game. There's obviously side effects to all of these things, right? And yeah. Within the modeling industry, it's not just about your aesthetic, although kind of it looks like that from the outside. Like I, I personally believe your skin is just as important in the modeling sort of game as, as your physique. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's taking into account everything. Um, and there are sort of ways in which you can, you can, you know, beat the gun if you like and, and make things happen quicker or potentially slower. But like you said, one, you've got the side effects then to deal with. And two as well, it's if you don't do it with education, then there's an end point to it. And and I talk a lot with my clients about sort of how we're building a lifestyle instead of a diet, because a diet has an end point. Mm. And, you know, like it's all very well going on a strict diet where you are, you know, consuming what you're consuming for eight weeks. And then you get to the end of that eight weeks and there's no sustainability there. So where do you go from there? Yeah. Whereas... 
what we try and do at Eat Look Feel is create a lifestyle. So we build in, you know, we work around social events. We work around, you know, the education there. So in eight weeks time, you get to where you want to be. And then you have the education yourself to stay there because it's a lifestyle and it's incorporating those healthy habits and eating the foods that you enjoy so you can stay there for complete sustainability. You must be sitting around, well, less than 5% body fat, I would imagine, um, <laughs> and looking at the shape of your Instagram. Um, and, and you mentioned there uh, a, ma- like a maintenance is not a diet, it's a lifestyle, keeping that level. I mean, I've, I've tried to, to cut in the past um, and try and reduce body fat percentage, and it's hard, man. I mean, you get hungry, tired, cranky, hangry, whatever. What's your overall strategy? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you had to put it into a couple of couple of sentences, what's your philosophy around healthy uh, food management? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it's you know, I could go on all day, but it's it's to be honest, the, the main way I like to to sort of go about things is balance. Um, like I a sort of very balanced in terms of macronutrient diet. Um, so protein, fats, carbs. I I do consume alcohol. Um, I'm aware it's not sort of optimal for me. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it, t- it ticks other boxes, you know, and, and you know, yeah. that, that leads on to something else is important that health isn't just your physique. It's, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. It's your, it's your social health, your physical health, your psychological health, your educational health, etc. So, I, I'm very much about balance. Um, obviously, it's very different maintaining to getting somewhere. Um, so in terms of to get to where you want to be, there might have to be slightly more sacrifices um, per se than for, for instance, like maintaining you get away with a bit more. Um, but it's just it's just incorporating over. I, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time now. I've been modeling for, for a long time where my sort of focus has been on aesthetics rather than performance. Um, and it's just sort of, it's, it's skin in the game. It's, it's time understanding my body. It's understanding what foods sort of work for me. It's understanding what foods keep me sort of on the narrow. I genuinely enjoy everything that I eat. And I think that is just crucial because otherwise, again, like, we, like we've already spoke about, there's an end point. Um, so it's just taking the time to really understand your nutrition, make sure that everything's sort of, you're, you're consuming the right amounts of foods in the right portion sizes the right type of foods and foods that you enjoy and that you're willing to sort of eat daily. Yeah, I mean, a topic that I'm really interested in, I'd love to know your thoughts on it, are, is, is the whole uh, calories discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Where do you sit with calories? Do you use calorie counting as a part of your, um, as a part of your coaching with your clients and, and with, with the way that you look at your own day-to-day uh, meal plan? Or do you think calories are a bit of a red herring and uh, an over overemphasized in the media etc so i mean it's yeah like, like it's a bit of a rabbit hole uh at the end of the day the science behind it is is just completely true like it's calories in versus calories out in terms of body composition yeah um but there's also a lot more to to calories if you like than just weight loss like the quality of calories that you're putting into your body is, is so so important mm-hmm. and i believe that everybody should create themselves a foundation of good quality nutritious food so everybody's base intake should be based around sort of nutritious food and then be topped up with sort of the food that you like whether it's then less optimal whether it's less nutritious foods um but the science behind it's it's correct you know if, you, if you're in a calorie deficit um 
you will lose weight. And if you're in a, in a calorie surplus, you will gain weight. Like that, that, that is science and that's not going to change. But then there's so much more to it than obviously just sort of body composition in terms of health, um, the quality of the, the nutrients you're getting in your body, moving on to say skin, hair, gut health, mood, energy, hunger. I mean, there, there are so many different facets to it to get right. Yeah. Um, and sort of sort of going back and answering your question about how we do it sort of to clients at Eat Look Feel is that we actually provide a meal plan that kind of gives them the option. So I do provide calorie intake because I think it's very important. And I think there's a lot of value in understanding sort of where your calorie intake should be to optimize things for yourself. Um, but then I also provide sort of lots of different meal options per meal timing per day. So mm-hmm. you can actually just follow the meal program without having to even read about a calorie if that if that sort of suits your style. Interesting. And you mentioned gut health there, which is a topic that I'm really interested in at the moment uh, and the whole sort of yeah. microbiome of the gut. And, and actually, uh, I've talked before on the podcast about the interplay between the gut and the brain and the, the gut-brain axis and, and how they call the gut the second brain, which is really interesting from a mental health point of view. We can talk about that later on, but... From a, from a a nutritional point of view and, and how people process food and, and how that leads to the outcomes that I guess they're going to you to try and achieve, how important is gut health and how do you help your clients with their gut health? Um, prebiotics, probiotics, it's a, it's a bit of a minefield for me. I don't really, I'm not taking any bacterial supplementation at the moment. Um, although I supplement other things, but I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like like you say, the importance of gut health is something that I believe is very sort of it's not spoken enough about. Um, but the education is improving, um, which is obviously really, really exciting. Um, just I mean, you've I'm sure you've seen just in terms of like kombucha and kefir, it's all just it's all sort of growing with, with time and people are starting to look after their gut. And it's that link, as you mentioned, between the, your gut and your brain is slow, so closely linked. And the, then there's the link to mental health. Um, but yeah, looking after the gut is, is so, so important. And again, it kind of, it, it completely depends on, on the sort of the, the level of client that we're working with the general sort of the general population, if you like need, the focus should be on just consuming a nutritious sort of foundation diet. And then the gut health will improve naturally, just moving away from sort of processed foods from refined sugars a lot, the gut health will naturally improve. And, and that, you know, that's where, uh, like, again, without sort of going down too much of a rabbit hole, it's very much like a lot of people, it, it's, it's getting the foundations right. It's getting the absolute basics right first before you start incorporating your kombucha a day. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're consuming a lot of processed foods and refined sugars, but yeah. then having a kombucha, that's it's not, not how it works. Healthy. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. It's, you know, get, get the absolute basics right first. You know, shoot for your, make sure you're getting enough fiber, make sure you're getting your vitamins in through your nutrition five to 10 sort of helpings of fruit and veg a day, get all the basics right. And then, you know, then if there's a problem, we can then focus on the sort of the 1%, if you like, is what I call it. Yeah, absolutely. But for, for you, do you supplement, do you just try and eat a diverse diet, eat things like kimchi or kefir or com- drink kombucha um, to get those, that optimal gut health? Because I guess you're all about the 1%, right? For your own performance. Um, so I'd be interested to know yeah. if, you, if you supplement those things yourself. I actually don't supplement. Um, I believe that I can get enough sort of goodness through 
sorry in terms of gut health mm-hmm. i actually my my i think my staple diet is is well is is sort of good enough and solid enough that i have never sort of had a problem with digestion or gut health if i'm out and about i'll grab a kombucha i do like kombucha i think it all it all kind of helps and all adds to say like your health paradigm if you like yeah but it's not something that i particularly sort of focus on focus on daily and to be honest a lot of the kombucha out there um it's it's so sort of tiny the difference yeah. that it can really make yeah um like the amount of actual sort of microbiomes in in the kombucha isn't going to change too much um do you have so any brands I, 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 I love kombucha um but I, I'm fully yeah, on board. With, it's like it's like CBD. It's like just throw a tiny percentage in, and then you can uh, you can market it as that. But are there any kombucha brands that you actually rate? <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I kind of just I kind of cycle between a few. Like I think Lost Bro, Lost Bros is one that I, that I have quite a lot in London. Uh, right. To be honest, I look for if I'm I look for the um, I look for the lowest sugar ones, so right. the lowest calorie ones, because a lot of them are sweetened with a lot of sugar, which is something to obviously be be quite careful of. Yeah. Because although then you you know you're getting your your microbiome and in your prebiotics, if you like, you're also Causing getting a lot trouble. of like excess sugar to to make it taste like exactly, and, yeah. and you know you, you, it's getting that balance right. So I usually just go for the lowest calorie or the lowest sort of added sugar option. Okay, cool. And um, you mentioned that you sort of uh, caveated that you don't supplement in gut health. Do you supplement mm-hmm. in uh, in other areas of your nutritional um, plan? Uh, so I take vitamin D, uh, which I think is just essential for everybody in the UK. There isn't anybody that I don't, that I think shouldn't be taking it. Agreed. Just because of like the lack of sunlight that we get. Um, I also supplement turmeric uh, just for its anti-inflammatory properties. Um, I take zinc, zinc and magnesium, which I find helps me sort of downregulate with sleep at night as well. Um, and other than that, that's that's all I take. And is the is the zinc and magnesium? Is that one one tablet, or are you taking zinc and magnesium? Yeah, that's one tablet. Separate? Yeah. And what which brand? Do you know which brand you use for that? That is, I think I've just got the Holland and Barrett one at the moment. Okay, yeah. fine. I'm not. I'm not a big. Um, I'm not big on sort of like specific brands. I think you know if if you look at the sort of um, ingredients, they're, they're they're pretty pretty similar across the board. So okay, like, yeah, vitamin D is a vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wicked. Um, so uh, you obviously have this diploma in nutrition. So I'm gonna I'm gonna really dig into you on some of these specifics on uh, on food because me and my wife have a bit of a debate over does fat make you fat? Um, and I don't think it does, personally. I think good fats um, don't make you fat. She doesn't agree with me. So um, what, what, where do you lie on this? Um, do you recommend your patients, for example, who are trying to lose weight, um, have an, av- an avocado or two a day? Like, where do you, where do you fit on that? Because it's obviously quite calorific, right? But it's, yeah. Completely, and and that's where the line is. It's 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 getting the balance right. Uh, a bit like we spoke about. So, you know, fats play such an important role in in any nutritional strategy. Like, and that's why a balanced approach is best, in my opinion. You know, fats control your blood sugar levels. Fats control um, like a big part of hormones as well, which obviously then plays a big part in hunger and mood, um, which can lead to adherence to any sort of nutritional strategy. So, fats are essential. Um, Obviously, then it goes a bit, little bit deeper into the type of fats. Like, you know, you, you want to be shooting for monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, and you want to be staying away from saturated and trans fats where you can. Um, 
And then a bit like what you've just sort of slightly mentioned is fats are very easy to overconsume um, because obviously they are quite satieting um, foods. So, you know, you can eat a lot of avocado. So it's a bang for its buck calorie wise. Um, so it's just, and again, it's a lot about portion control, but fats, fats are a central part to any diet, in my opinion. Um, I think like low fat diets, for instance, don't, don't, um, they, they end quite badly. And, and it's usually with sort of hormone imbalances um, and that sort of thing. Brilliant. So what are your top three, and I pardon this term, hack meals, but meals that are super simple, but healthy, delicious fill people up for the ones that you think oh, okay this is a really easy one that we can implement into the diet it's going to be brilliant for their health but they're also going to be filled up and and not reaching for the snack draw <laughs> uh well i mean so one thing i think is important is to include like every every meal you have should include some form of soy fruit or vegetables um so it's important that keeps you full uh, and also a protein source so yeah, a protein source as well, right? So protein is going to completely regulate your hunger, um, your hormones. So it's important to shoot for every meal to build around a protein source and then a fruit and vegetable sort of a micronutrient, if you like, intake. Um, I personally, one that I use and that I sort of incorporate with a lot of my clients is that I have what I like to call a dessert bowl every night. Um, and that kind of, I have a very sweet tooth in terms of adherence wise, and it just keeps me keeps me on track if you like so i for say I, an example of it is it's a bit of greek yogurt i mix a bit of protein powder in with it uh, i add a bit of banana i add a bit of dark chocolate i add a bit of peanut butter and i add a bit of cereal um and i'm well aware that that's probably not optimal uh, eating that at say nine o'clock at night for me um in terms of if i was a if it was for a complete sort of aesthetic goal i appreciate it's probably not completely optimal eating one that late at night and two eating you know, chocolate and peanut butter and cereal. But for me, it's something that keeps me on track and it keeps me that adherence and it satisfies my sweet tooth and it stops me from binging. So it's, again, it's weighing it up and, and it's, it's using those little hacks in your favor to create a strategy that you can stick to because consistency is everything when it comes to sort of nutrition and, and strategies. And, you know, we, we all like to, we, we can all sort of, one of the biggest problems I see is counting calories and consuming a really good intake, say Monday to Friday, and then, you know, weekends, it all goes badly, etc. So it's about incorporating and keeping those foods that you enjoy, keeping foods that you, you know, you turn to, um, to stop that, say the big binges come in or the, the sort of the, the derailing, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what has anything changed in your, uh, your mindset around nutrition and, and what you recommend to your clients recently? Are there any dogmas that, that you've prescribed to previously that you've, you've seen you research in or that you've just found through your, through your own clients even um, modification to that has started working better for you? Um, I guess the only one that I can really sort of vouch for and answer for is that I actually stopped eating meat about 18 months ago. Oh, wow um which a lot which a lot of people sort of find quite surprising um so i now personally don't eat or well saying that i don't cook myself and buy myself meat if i'm sort of out and about and i get served white meat or i you know in a social situation uh, i will i will eat it I, I won't sort of say no but i haven't i haven't touched red meat for about 18 months um to be honest it was kind of a, a conscious decision a mixture of 
my views on the kind of farming industry and that sort of thing these days and and sort of the hormones and steroids that that, that are potentially used in in meat and also a mix of sort of from an ethical point of view um but that's something that i've done personally for the last 18 months and i've actually interestingly seen a big switch in sort of clients um that are keen to try a sort of more pescatarian or meat-free diet if you like looking sort of more towards plant-based um which is interesting and and ha- have you noticed any change um in in mental health in, in physical health and physical uh expression uh after making that change it's, it's a difficult one because obviously everything it's kind of like everything you do adds to that sort of paradigm right so it's difficult to sort of identify one thing that is particularly working well or not working well because i believe your health is such a culmination of everything that you do but i i think i feel less sluggish i really do um i mean i i I like to think that i feel sort of probably the best i've ever felt in terms of um like skin sort of myself my mood my energy um and like i say whether that's down to sort of the move away from meat or whether it's down to just kind of like my health paradigm improving over time and you're constantly making even subconsciously you're constantly making little changes to sort of as i call it your health paradigm um i don't know but from my personal i don't have if somebody if one of my clients say comes and speaks to me and says i'd like to go meat free there's i don't say i don't think that's a good idea at all i think definitely give it a go you know just just sort of making those changes towards plant base and then you're already incorporating much more many more micros into your diet is, is a good thing for everybody i think yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've tried to, I'm very conscious about where the sourcing of my meat, I am still a omnivore. Yeah. Um, but I'm very, mm-hmm. uh, I buy my meat from the local farm shop, for example, all locally sourced and grass fed and, and that sort of thing. But I, I, I'd like to go more plant based where I've struggled with it in the past. And I tried to be a weekday vegan for a while um, was, um, <laughs> uh, was maintaining whole food sort of philosophy um whilst yeah. not having that standard protein source that you would normally have as a whole food if you know what i mean do you have any yeah, any uh, ingredients that you lean on or lean towards that have filled that void i guess on the plate where the meat was previously or do you use meat substitutes yeah. like this or beyond meat or or whatever the brands are yeah, so so I actually still consume fish. Um, so that's where a lot of my protein comes from. Um, and obviously the big thing you lose when you when you consume meat, the big thing you lose is your lean protein sources. Um, so, you know, like, for instance, a chicken, turkey, um, it's all very lean. You're, you're just getting protein with that with those sort of um, foods. Whereas when you move towards a plant-based diet, particularly vegan, you lose that. You don't really have your say lean protein sources it all comes with you know your legumes your beans um your tofu say it all comes with either it's all you know it can be high in protein but it comes with carbohydrate or it comes with fat so i think a a high protein vegan diet is completely possible like it's just it just takes a lot more planning um and it takes a lot more sort of understanding your diet and planning ahead you also need to make sure you're eating enough um a lot of vegan food is very satieting very filling um so you need to make sure you know you need to put the time in it's it's not an easy just switch oh, i'm going to go vegan uh I, 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 in my experience i found a lot of people then under consume um and don't get enough protein because you know if you just switch a meal uh, sort of a, a, a say 
omnivore meal for a vegan meal, automatically, you know, you, you, you're consuming the same amount of food, but for much less of a calorie intake. And therefore, you know, your hunger levels and, and you, your kind of intake's lower, but your hunger's still sort of where it is. And, and then that can lead to malnutrition and stuff. So it does take time. Uh, and it does take a real understanding of of using, you know, but, but nowadays there's so many alternatives out there in terms of saitan tofu. Um, like you can get veggie. I mean, you go into supermarkets nowadays and it, even in just the last 10 years, it's changed completely. It's got its own aisles now for vegan substitutes. Um, What's saitan? Sorry, I, I haven't instances. heard of I haven't heard of saitan before. Saitan, so it's, it's probably the leanest, um, the leanest, say, vegan um, protein source you can you can get um it's it's spelled s-e-i-t-a-n um and yeah it's completely vegan i believe it's made from soybean um and it is yeah it's it's plant-based and it's probably the leanest uh highest protein sort of intake you can you can get tasty depends how you cook it (laughs) (laughs) it needs some heavy seasoning i guess (laughs) That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, I mean, you can create some incredible vegan meals, you know, like it's a lot about it's just prepping it and understanding it and what you're pairing it with, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's move on to let's move on to look. Let's move on to your training regime. Um, I've seen some of the gear that you've got in your uh, in your new at home gym. Is that at your house, that that gym that you've built? It looks looks pretty yes, uh, pretty yes, special it is, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of separate it's separate um it's se- it's slightly separate but it's uh, it's in the same sort of area vicinity which is, yeah. um, which is nice yeah it's been good yeah exactly so what's your uh, your personal and obviously feel going into as much detail as you want here but from a, a day-to-day routine point of view where do you fit fitness into your day daily routine um What's your frequency like? What's your duration like of, of the individuals and, and your variety as well is always something that I'm quite interested about how you mix up the different yeah. um, different aspects of, of fitness. Completely. So kind of like try, trying to answer all of those in one, say, per se, I'd say that I train every day looks different uh, because of sort of the nature of the work that I have. Um, when I'm at home, I like to train first thing. Um, so I get up at sort of, you know, get in the gym for seven o'clock in the morning and just get it done nice and early. Obviously, if I'm shooting, um, then that has to, or traveling around, that obviously then takes a back seat. But let's take that for an example. Um, my tra- I probably train five times a week um, properly and then maybe one active rest day and then what I try and have one full rest day. Um, I kind of base my, my personal training on a push-pull-lower split. Um, so it's my push movements, then my pull movements, and then my lower body. Um, and then just incorporate cardio in terms of all the sessions that I do are quite intense uh, and they do last quite a long time. I probably train for about an hour and a half a day. Um, I kind of have, I have quite a high sort of maybe a quite a high sort of adherence level to training for quite a long time. Um, I guess that's just kind of a product of training for such a long time. Um, but the way I sort of base, base every session uh, in terms of program it is, I'll start off with a little heart raiser in terms of a warm through, usually some mobility drills, um, get the heart rate up, get the blood flowing a little bit, usually targeted to the area that I'm training. Um, then I usually go into some strength work. So base it around my compound lifts. So my push, pull, um, carry, squat, hinge. That's where those movements get incorporated. Then I usually do a bit of accessory work, all broken up into sort of supersets. 
quite intense sort of almost circuit based type work um and then i finish off usually with, with what i call a finisher which is usually like a high intensity um really get sort of the blood flowing heart rate right up um which is usually a sort of say 15 minute 10 to 15 minute circuit based again usually targeted to the area that i've been training that day um just designed to really sort of have a sweat out at the end and i find that kind of works for me in terms of keeping me lean in terms of maintaining uh, and also brings me enjoyment which i think is really important to, to sort of again just in the same way that it works with a sort of nutritional strategy you have to enjoy what you're doing um to be able to keep it up for a long period of time yeah absolutely and i see that i think you just put a peloton into the uh into the gym there as well didn't you yes yes i see you've got one also yeah right? yeah i'll need i'll need to i'll need to follow you on there it's a, it's a great great addition to the um i i love i love mixing it in with my strength training to be honest it really gets the heart rate going doesn't it um and, completely uh, yeah it's it is really really good bit of kit and i love how they've got the shorter classes as well yeah. um so you know you've got your 20 minute classes so you can like you say you can either piece that onto as a, as a warm-up or piece it onto the end of end of end of a session uh yeah. it's, it's definitely very valuable yeah absolutely brilliant um so I, I, sorry if i'm pushing you to like try and give us some real real little nuggets here for the listeners but do you have any exercises <laughs> um especially bodyweight exercises, I think, because they're ones that people can just do anywhere. Um, but do you have any exercises that give maximum output in the shortest amount of time from what you've seen from your clients? That's a difficult one because they're all, they're all kind of well-known um, and well-known for a reason. Um, and this is something that I speak to my clients a lot about as well, is that, you know, th these, these core sort of, movements if you like and movement patterns are well known and important for a reason and that's because they are the best and i think there's a bit of a there's almost a bit of a sort of movement if you like where people are sort of trying to create new exercises or come up with cool alternatives that can really you know that look fancy for say social media and that sort of thing when really it's it's actually you know th these core principles of push pull squat hinge carry Every program, I believe, should be built around those sort of core movements. So it's, your, you know, for your body weight stuff, you don't want to be going too much sort of away from a push-up. Get really, really good at a push-up. And it sounds ridiculous, but, do, do you know, and, and because people want to jump around and do sort of lots of, whether it's like burpees into a, say, tuck jump or something like that. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's actually just get really good, get really, really good at the core principle movements. Yeah. And it might sound boring, but it's it's what's it's where the value is, and it's boring for a reason. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've actually been working on uh, Joe Wicks inspired me to try and uh, increase the number of press ups that I could do, not for any other reason, just than to have a challenge to to target. So I've I've been trying to do press ups yeah. daily, um, and just see how many I can push out in one set with good form. Um, how, and, are, yeah, how are you getting on yeah I'm, I've, I've added about five so far I've only been doing it for about three weeks Amazing. Um, but I'm up to a bounce of uh, 35 in a, in a single session good man um, which yeah. Uh, yeah it seems to it seems to work pretty well um, but it's definitely I've yeah. always I've always exactly. struggled with putting putting mass onto my to any part of my limbs because I'm so tall it's it's quite a difficult mm -hmm. thing so um, anything that yeah, helps with that pain, is, eh? yeah you're a tall lad as well aren't you <laughs> <laughs> so i've got no excuse basically no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that but no definitely it, it, it's you know focus on the core the core movements like get really really good at squatting 
get really, really good at pushing in terms of push-ups, pull-ups if you've got access to that, um, hinging, so deadlift, and then, you know, work around all the sort of fun accessory work in around those those core movement principles. So you uh, you have a, obviously a professional PT qualification. I know that was really important to you before before starting the program is to get the sort of the real data behind these things. What, what exercises do you see most often incorrectly trained or promoted online? Are there specific things that you just cringe at and you think, oh, that's just completely wrong um, that you see most commonly done wrong? Like I imagine crunches. Like I always think any ab work I'm doing wrong, I always find it very difficult to get the form right on those sort of things. But do you see that quite a lot? Yeah, completely. I mean, oh, it's obviously it's difficult to sort of say blanket because some people perform movements very well. Um, and but it was an interesting story. Someone uh, who is is actually very very close to me who I learned a lot off, um, and he's probably one of the most intelligent people that I know uh, and one of the best sort of trainers that I know. He actually told me a long long time ago. He was like, if you ever program somebody a burpee, you're doing something wrong. Interesting. And now I haven't taken that. I haven't taken that completely as never ever do a burpee, um, because you know there are there are really good ways to perform a burpee, and you can perform a burpee properly. But it was it was really interesting, and he was just like you know ninety percent of the people, ninety five percent of people perform burpees with incorrect form, and it's it's a very popular movement because obviously it's easy to just get the calorie um, sorry to get your heart rate up quite quite quickly. Um, but actually you're far better off instead of doing 10 burpees, do 10 body weight squats and then 10 press ups. And that kind of stuck with me because it's, it's actually the hinge part of the burpee that, 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 you know, gives a lot of people lower back pain. Um, when not, when not, obviously when not performed correctly, there are, there are obviously correct ways to perform a burpee, but that's probably one of the, the biggest say, um, mistakes that I see. And, and also like you say, crunches as well. Uh, everybody kind of believes that to get a six pack or to get abs it's all about crunches again a lot of people perform crunches very wrong and put a lot of sort of unnecessary stress onto the lower back and it's actually things like planks um that are way and rollouts and working on that transverse abdominus instead of your rectus abdominus that are actually going to bring on probably the abs and the torso that you're sort of shooting for didn't know that about burpees that's that's really interesting yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, cool. Okay, let's move on to feel then. So um, I'm I'm obsessed with mindset. I love talking about mental health and and any any sort of routines or or, or tools to to improve that. Do you um, mm-hmm. how how do you build your mindset thoughtfully into into your own life and into your client's life? Do you have a routine that you build it into each day, or how does it work for you? Um. So, I mean, I, I mean, I obviously have my own routines uh, that I believe work for me. Um, it's obviously, it's a very personal thing, mindset. Um, and it, it sort of depends on what your goals are as well and how you kind of want to focus on sort of taking things. But I think everyone can benefit from having the sort of underlying motivation to become better. And that that isn't just in terms of body composition wise. That isn't just whether it's weight loss or, or, or weight gain. It's, it's everything. And it's, and like I said, a bit like I mentioned before, sort of briefly earlier, health is, health is so multifaceted. It's not just sort of body composition and weight. 
it's your social health your you know your economic health your educational health um and just having that underlying sort of better and that one percent compounding sort of improvements every single day i think it's just such a powerful mindset to be in for everybody yeah completely i I always think people are people oftentimes want that immediate output from any activity that they put in and the things that i found to have the most value in my life are actually as you say the compounding benefits of forcing yourself to go to this event that you don't really want to go to but then you network with someone and then you see them again and then it these all these things sort of grow and and you learn something from them and it, it's very much the the mindset i've got with with uh, my startup is um is I, I go into it thinking right even if this fails often if times if, if, a, if a startup had failed and you'd invested a lot of time and money into it you might think that had been a complete waste of time um but actually i've improved i've learned i've I've learned so many new skills. I've met so many new people. And, and it may be that actually that's not the end point goal. You, you, you take a, you hang a right and then you end up in a completely different location. Um, it's, it's interesting how life goes completely. that way. But the value you'd have received from doing that, even subconsciously, you know, we learn things even, even without realizing mm. how, you know, just having that mentality to improve, good things start happening, right? Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, I'm, I'm trying to to absorb as much information from all of the guests on this podcast um and, and it's certainly been i mean we're about 12 episodes in now and it's been um i've learned an incredible amount from everyone it's been really interesting um so i mean do you do much in the way of meditation or anything of that sort or do you do you let exercise be your uh your quiet time for personal growth to be honest that that is that is one thing that i probably do want to include more of is is meditation and that sort of thing i kind of i have a very overactive brain um i i think everything through a lot i'm constantly thinking i'm constantly sort of processing things in my head that i think meditation would be very um sort of beneficial and it's it's one of those things meditation that you never speak to someone who meditates who's who says a bad word about it it seems to be a lot of upside and not a lot of downside but it's difficult to incorporate um, so, I mean, that is something that I'm actively trying to improve. Um, but I guess kind of my exercise works for me. At, like, you, like you say, that it's very sort of closely linked. Um, I mean, I like training on my own. Uh, I very much like switching off. I like getting in there. I like my own space. I like doing it early in the morning when it, you kind of have that weird sort of sensation that everybody else is asleep. Um, and you're kind of getting it done before the world's up, if you like. Um, I've always liked that. And I, I kind of, think things through in that time and come up with i've actually got a um i've actually got a notepad and pen in the new gym that we um that that we've got here and i now just make notes as i train and and that's got nothing to do with training that's you know eat look feel stuff or stuff that i need to do that day or like that sort of thing and i just find that that's when a lot of ideas come to me um just when i'm sort of in the gym so i guess that kind of ties into a form of meditating um in terms of just switching off and, and, and sort of doing your own thing? I, I have exactly the same thing. And the problem is I tend to be on the Peloton for sort of a 45-minute ride or something. And I, I've told mm-hmm. myself I'm, I'm not allowed to touch my phone when I'm on the Peloton so that I don't just like grab the phone and check Instagram or, or yeah. check my Shopify sales from the startup or something like that. But I completely agree. It's, it's torture because you have I have all my best ideas 
around sort of 15 minutes into a cardio workout and then suddenly my brain just starts firing off with these really great ideas for the podcast or for for the business or as you say things that you've got to do and and that sort of thing so it's, it's a really interesting from a from a brain point of view the physiology behind what's going on there completely yeah and like i said i get so much value from that and come up with some of my like best ideas if you like from that say hour in the gym that i have in the morning and um, i was actually speaking to one of my friends uh quite recently about it and he's just bought believe it or not a you can get nowadays a waterproof pen and paper for the shower because he was having so many good ideas in the shower that he's now got that in his shower i mean i have no idea how that works but apparently, yeah, he's got a notepad and a pen in his shower for his ideas. Brilliant. So no, I, I have heard there's a there's a really famous director who actually built a shower mm. into his uh, writing studio. And he would take like 15 yeah. showers a day because every shower he would have his best <laughs> ideas. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's, I think that's all caught, sort of weirdly intrinsically linked, right? There's something yeah. about, say, switching off or a happy place or a sort of you get into a mindset of just things start flowing yeah interesting more showers is clearly Mm. the answer i'm actually now we've said this i'm gonna hang a notepad and pen off my peloton bike so that i can allow myself to write these notes down (laughs) honestly buy a whiteboard and literally just jot anything down and it's so valuable yeah like i've come up i mean to be fair there's a lot of bad ideas that get thrown about don't get me wrong yeah yeah you you, you suddenly think you're a superhero (laughs) Yeah, literally. And an hour later, you can't even read your writing. You know, I don't understand what that says, but um, it's just part of it, right? T- talking about showers, uh, I'm, I'd be interested to know if you've incorporated, there's just such a massive trend around cold therapy at the moment um, and mm-hmm. uh, building cold showers and ice baths and swimming in the English Channel in the middle of winter. Um, is that something that you prescribe to in any way, either from a physical point of view or from a mental point of view? Uh, so I have dabbled in the past. Um, I have done sort of various ice baths over the years and, uh, I believe there's a lot of value in them. Um, even just from like a mentality point of view, uh, obviously it's very difficult to do in the UK in the winter time, um, because you can kind of have a cold shower and then not really warm up the rest of the day, which obviously I don't, don't prescribe, but in the summer it is something that i did i used to just to be honest what i used to do is have a normal shower and then end it with like 30 seconds of cold um and i I do think there's a lot of value in it i really do i'm not an expert in terms of the like science behind it and the muscular i think it's the sort of thing you need to do a lot to sort of see the benefits see the recovery yeah so see the recovery benefits is something that you probably need to implement daily and also you know it we're talking again at this at the top top level right so you know, if you're doing stuff like Will does with the crazy running or, you know, there probably are benefits, but the day-to-day person who's training, I believe the benefits are probably more uh, from a mindset point of view. So it's, 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 it's creating that almost challenge for yourself, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Do something that scares you every day. It's definitely a true philosophy. Completely. That's it. It's, it's comfort zone, right? It's just, just stepping out of your comfort zone for 30 seconds and challenging yourself and and sort of giving yourself that mentality to sort of you know, be uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've definitely, I, I've, I think I've dabbled in it and to the same extent that you have. And it is, it's a battle mentally at the tap. You got your hand on the on the temperature knobs. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm so comfortable yeah. in this warm shower. I really don't want to do this. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's it. And, and you know, like, I, I, I remember I, I used to tell my little brother and, and try, try and get him on board. And um, he's literally just like, why would I do that? I couldn't do anything worse. I'm having a lovely warm shower. Why would I, yeah. why would I make it cold? Like, you're, you're crazy. But he's 18. He doesn't understand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he'll get there. He'll At that age, there. you just want a warm shower in and out. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, wicked. <laughs> let's, uh, let's crack into a little bit of rapid fire to round up here. Um, so yes. just four rapid fire questions and then uh, one question that we asked all of our guests at the end so uh, onto the rapid fire what is your if you you can only choose one but if you if you could choose one exercise and it's the only one you're allowed to do for the rest of your life which one would it be bang for the buck i guess you'd have to choose a deadlift really interesting i think so i think so yeah just incorporating everything one exercise you'd have to just yeah you'd have to you'd have to choose a squat or a deadlift deadlift i'm gonna go okay brilliant uh, what are you most grateful for right now? Mm, good question. Um, what am I most grateful for? Probably the people around me, to be honest. Um, and I think lockdown for me has really highlighted that. Uh, I'm so, so fortunate to have sort of the support circle or inner circle, whatever you call it. And, and just generally the, the people around me that I do. Um, I sort of get unlimited support in terms of everything sort of that I, that I sort of want to do. And... Um, I'm very, very fortunate for that. I have, I have very good people around me, which has been, which has been in, sort of highlighted in the last year. Absolutely, yeah. You've, re- I, I found that I've really lent into the people that I'm closest to. You almost want a, sm- I almost want a small, a small circle now, so that I can really spend the time Completely. nurturing those relationships. Completely. And like, I've, all, I've always had a quite a small circle, and I've always had. I've always been grateful and know that I've had a small circle. But I think when things like this happen, mm. and um, you know, you, you just you just really do double down on, on the gratitude towards them. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favourite podcast or audiobook if you're not a podcast guy? My favourite my favourite audiobook is Atomic Habits, uh by James Clear. Yeah. I don't know if you've read it. I actually haven't, um, but I've been recommended that a number of times. It's I honestly genuinely believe it's a must read for everybody. Um it's 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 a brilliant brilliant book um there's so 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 many takeaways uh and podcast wise i listen to modern wisdom a lot um which is chris williamson okay he has some incredible guests on there it's it's very much the sort of um self-development type vibe um but yeah he has some really really good guests on there now and i really like the sort of mentality and what he's doing with it brilliant i haven't listened to that one so i'll definitely check that out yeah i can send you some um, some good ones and then final question of the rapid fire uh, who is your biggest inspiration in life and this can be uh, an idol a celebrity someone that you look up to or even someone much closer to home cool who is my biggest inspiration I think, I mean it's difficult because you take inspirations from, from everywhere right and uh, going through life but I'd probably say my old man is is my biggest inspiration. Um, and that's not in terms of like training or fitness wise or anything like that. Just just as a person, um, like he is the, the nicest man that, that anyone's ever met. And, and one of them people that you've never, you've never heard anyone say a bad word about him. Everybody that's ever met him is in love with him. And I think that's so, that's such a powerful sort of place to be in life. And, and it's something that you, any, everybody can look up to. 
Absolutely. Well, there's that Maya Angelou quote, isn't there, that they'll, they'll forget what you've done, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So that's um, got to be one of the and most important things. That's, per- that's, that's perfectly put. Yeah, completely. Brilliant. So last question, which is the one that we ask for, for every guest on the show. Uh, what's the one small change that you've made in your life that you wish you made earlier on? Mm, good question. I, I'd probably say that it's the sort of just start mentality, um, which is something that I kind of um, have have sort of been sort of reading about and learning about a lot. And something that I've now started incorporating myself is that just when you, I feel like when you're a bit of a perfectionist, it's easy to sort of put things off and procrastinate and and, and try and really focus on you know, creating something perfect before you put it out there. And then there's sort of like imposter syndrome and the Dunning-Kruger effect, all of those sort of things that add up to that. And I think it's really important concept to just get going sometimes and just get moving and learn as you go and adapt as you go. And and it's a, it's a little bit like the, the, the quote, the, the famous quote that says like, you know, you're, and I'm sure you, you can relate to this sort of um, really well is that the first podcast you do it, you know it's going to be rubbish but but hundredth podcast you do it's completely different right and there's only one way to get there and that's by just starting and I think for my life especially over the last say two or three years I've, I've you know I've had these ideas and stuff but I've always kind of wanted to create perfection if you like before I put things out there and before I sort of um really get going with it and i think actually the, the best way to learn sometimes is just throw yourself in at the deep end and just, like i say just start and then sort of adapt as you go and, and make the relevant sort of changes you need to as you move yeah absolutely i i, I couldn't agree more with that and it's certainly the podcast is a, is a prime example of that and i remember hearing tim before i started the podcast i remember hearing tim ferris say um who's one of my favorite podcasters he's done 500 now i think had everyone on there from Hugh Jackman to every every Kevin Hart and uh, The Rock and so so many massive names um but I remember him talking about his first episode and how awful it was <laughs> and uh, and laughing with a friend about it and you just think you always think everyone else knows what they're doing more than you do um but I I always love going back to the the thought that everyone starts at zero like especially with in a social media world where everything's analyzed on on vanity metrics of followers and that sort of stuff every single person has started on zero um and you you have to start with that minimum viable product to use a sort of a startup term and i'm the same as you i'm a complete perfectionist and i really struggle with this with parlor my my toothpaste brand that i wanted everything to be absolutely perfect before we got out the door um, but actually, thankfully, my founders pushed me pushed me out early or earlier than I would have gone. Um, and we've iterated since then, and we've modified, and we've we've moved, and, and and we've grown, and we're now so much further ahead than we would have been. I probably wouldn't have even launched a product yet. <laughs> That's it, exactly. It's it's so it's so powerful, and even in the fitness space as well, like with with clients, you know, like it's just getting going, mm. like. Your first workout's gonna be gonna be difficult, you know, and it's probably not you're not gonna be where you want it to be. But you know, in your one hundredth workout, you're gonna be a lot stronger than where you started. You're gonna be a lot better technique wise than where you started. And the only way to get to number hundred is by doing number one. And it's that it's that power in you know just get going sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been a really really interesting chat. Uh, 
for um where can people find you what are your what are your handles on social media and stuff if they want to follow you or follow the eat look yeah, field? so first of all thank you so much for having me i do really really appreciate it um so my personal instagram which is just where i kind of post my own my own type stuff is dan underscore hyman um and then if for sort of coaching is at eatlookfield.com we also run a newsletter a weekly newsletter with some um some sort of nice actionable takeaways sort of around nutrition training and mindset um so i'd recommend signing up to that uh, and then at eat.look.feel um on instagram as well that's kind of where you'll get the more value side of things in terms of social posts brilliant well thanks so much mate i'll catch up with you soon and uh, have, you, a, have a great day top man thank you so much simon i appreciate it hi guys simon again here just one more thing before you guys go thank you so much for listening to the podcast i really hope it gave you an immense amount of value if i could ask just one thing of you all please subscribe to the podcast please share it please write a review if you enjoyed it please talk to your friends about it the bigger the podcast gets the better the guests i can get on and the more value i can give back to you all so that's it from me i'll see you on the next one and until next time enjoy the ride